Welcome to the sermon podcast of Resurrection Community Church in Virginia Beach. We seek to connect people to God and one another through His Word, and hope this sermon brings you closer to God. Summer, we have been focusing on, we've been working through the book of John, we've been focusing, John focuses, John spends a lot of time uh, on Jesus' last words to his disciples, where he, uh, what's sometimes called the upper room discourse, and it's part of uh, also when the Last Supper happens, when he washes their feet, and all these words. Uh, but today we finished that. Uh, we finished that last week. Uh, Alejandro finished us on that with Jesus' high priestly prayer, uh, his prayer for us, his prayer for unity, his prayer for the people throughout all ages that would follow him. Uh, it's a beautiful prayer, lots of beautiful things in those chapters, words of hope and comfort and oneness with Jesus and the Father. And yet through all of that, there was also this sense of something bad coming. It started with him sending Judas out, do what you're going to do. And he had said that somebody's going to betray me and that somebody was Judas. And so we know this is coming. And today in John chapter 18, we get to that time when Jesus is betrayed. So, but what I want you to listen to is we read the story now. We've, we're stepping away from just words back to action and, and things happening. Of course, there are some words. But I want you to pay attention as I read this to what is John trying to tell us about Jesus? Who is this Jesus here as, as he gets betrayed and arrested and put on trial? What does he want us to see about Jesus this morning? John chapter 18 Verses 1 to 27. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the brook Kidron, where there was a garden which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas, having procured a band of soldiers and some officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, went there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. When Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. So he asked them again, Whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. So if you seek me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the word that he had spoken. Of those whom you gave me, I have lost not one. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into his sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? So the band of soldiers and their captain and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. First, they led him to Annas, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. It was Caiaphas who had advised the Jews that it would be expedient that one man should die for the people. Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood outside the door. So the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the servant girl who kept watch at the door and brought Peter in. The servant girl at the door said to Peter, You also are not one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the servants and officers had made a charcoal fire because it was cold, and they were standing and warming themselves. 
Peter also was with them, standing and warming himself. The high priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. Jesus answered him, I have spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in synagogues and in the temple, where all Jews come together. I have said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. They know what I said. When he had said these things, one of the officers standing by struck Jesus with his hand, saying, Is that how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered him, If what I said is wrong, bear witness about the wrong. But if what I said is right, why do you strike me? Annas then sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. So they said to him, You also are not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter again denied it, and at once a rooster crowed. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this word. I would thank you for, for your son Jesus and all that he is and all that he was. We pray now that as we reflect on these words written down for us and preserved for us, as we reflect on the events of that night so many years ago, we pray that you would speak to us by the power of your Holy Spirit. This word would not merely be information for our heads, but transformation for our hearts, changing the way that we think, the way that we feel, the way that we live. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, like I said, I don't have, I don't have my bag. I don't have anything to show. If I, was, if I was at camp right now, I would have you do a plank contest. Um, and I thought about making you have a plank contest this morning, but I thought not all of you would appreciate it, uh, though, though some of my friends might, might appreciate a little plank contest right now. No? You will, right? Some of us would go for a plank contest. Now, some of you are like, what in the world is a plank contest? A plank a plank is, a, is an exercise move when you get down like on your elbows on the ground and you try to keep your back flat and you're up off the ground. It doesn't sound that bad until you do it and then it really, really hurts. It's a great abdominal exercise. And a plank contest is simply where you get everybody on the ground and you all start doing planks and you see who lasts the longest. It's straight up last man standing. And uh, and so you just, it's, it's very painful and everybody kind of starts shaking and then people fall, fall, fall. And eventually there's just one last sta left standing as everybody else falls away. And when I read John chapter 18, you may think it's weird, but I think of a plank contest. Um, and I think of Jesus here as the last man standing. Only Jesus here can stand. Everybody else, what we see here, I said, Pay attention to what John wants us to see about Jesus. What John wants us to see about Jesus is that Jesus is still standing, literally still standing. Did you catch that in verse 7? Like Jesus is supposed to be arrested here. There's a mob coming to get him, soldiers, weapons. Uh, chapter 18, verse, not sorry, not verse 7, verse 6. <laughs> they come, they, who are you looking for? Jesus. When Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Like they come to arrest him and they're like, where's Jesus? And he's like, it's me. And they're all on the ground. So even his opposition cannot stand against him. And he's like, no, just come, come get me. This is the plan. Jesus is in charge. He's in charge over the opposition. But the other contrast John gives us is we see Jesus and then we see Peter. See, this, this, this verses in John, they're kind of all about Jesus, but they're also a lot about Peter. Do you notice that? We started 
When Jesus gets arrested, Peter's right there. He's there with his sword. And then he goes, he gets taken away, and there's Peter again. But what's he doing now? He's denying Jesus. And then we talk about Jesus again, and then we're back to Peter. What's he doing? He's denying Jesus once again. And why is that so significant? It's so significant because back at the beginning of this, the first thing that happened in the upper room on the last night Jesus had with his disciples is he washed their feet. And, he, and there was Peter again, first not wanting his feet to be washed, then wanting everything to be washed, then declaring that he would never abandon Jesus, even if everybody else falls away. And Jesus said to him, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And that's why it's significant there in verse 27, Peter again denied it the third time, and at once the rooster crowed. So we have Jesus striding through, even as he goes to his arrest, his betrayal, his arrest, his trial, his death. And yet John shows us that Jesus is the one still standing. That even though it looks like we're at the darkest moment and everything is falling down, Jesus is still standing. He is standing on his way to his death. He is the only one that stands. That's what, so what, what does this have for us? What does John want us to know? What does God want us to know this morning? Is that Jesus is the one who stands, even when all others fail. That's the main thing here. Jesus is still standing. He's still standing against his enemies. He's still standing when his friends betray him. He's still standing when his friends go crazy and start attacking people. Jesus is still standing. So what does that mean for us? It means we trust him alone. We can't trust in anything else. And as we look at the different characters and the different actions here, we can see three different things that we can be tempted to trust in. That God is calling us to put our trust in Jesus instead of these things. He's telling us to trust in Jesus over our own strength, Trust in Jesus over our own understanding and trust in Jesus over our own courage. So first, we trust in Jesus over our own strength. What did Peter do? What was Peter's first move? Jesus getting arrested and he says, I'm going to fight. He, he's like, what? We're, not, we're not taking this line down. I got a sword. He takes out the sword. I'm going to fight. He is ready to go for it with Jesus. And, but, but Jesus says, this is wrong. This is not part of my plan. Peter's strength here was misdirected. And what happens to us when we try to do things in our own strength, when we're trusting in our own strength, in our ability to fight, then our, our strength often goes in the wrong direction. Why is that? How could, how could this be wrong? How could it be wrong to fight for Jesus on Jesus' behalf? It's wrong because it's not part of his plan. It's not part of Jesus' plan that Peter fight right now. That's what he says. He says it right there in verse 11. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? Shall I not drink the cup is a, a figure of speech for saying to take on the punishment, to take on the wrath, to take on the suffering. That's what it means to drink the cup. And Jesus is saying, look, this is... My plan is not to just win this. I am not taking this world by force. I'm taking this world by weakness. And we see this theme over and over throughout the New Testament, first with Jesus, 
and then with his followers, as even his follower Paul will say, my strength is made perfect. Or my, now I'm blanking on it, but it's made perfect in weakness. Uh, that that we, are, we are made perfect in, his, in our weakness. It is through weakness and through suffering that we follow in the path of Jesus. Because when we trust in our own strength, we, we go in the wrong direction. We get things wrong. We don't understand God's plan well enough. And so we have to trust his plan. Now, does that mean that we never are going to fight? We are never going to disagree? No, there's plenty of times that we see Paul, again, standing up for his rights as a Roman citizen. We see calls throughout the Bible to stand up for justice and righteousness. But even as we look to do what is right, even as we look to fight for justice, for righteousness, for things that are good, we have to remember that we have to fight in God's way. And God's way is not necessarily our strength. It's fascinating to me that even the most dramatic, probably most dramatic, most powerful fight for right and justice over the past 75 years, the civil rights movement, fighting for equal justice, fighting for equal justice under the law, fighting for civil rights. And yet the hallmark of that movement was of nonviolence, was of weakness. Now it was a, it was a strong weakness, right? It was a strong and determined and resolute weakness, yet it was still not a fight with swords. And it shows, says, the nature of, of what Jesus' kingdom is about. Set on what is true and right and good, determined to go through with that, but always in God's ways. So we have to be cautious when we're trusting in our own strength, whether we're, we're looking to use our strength to do what we think is good in the world, whether we're looking to use our own strength to make things work in our lives, that's my temptation. You know, things are going badly. I'm going to buckle down. I'm going to get it done. I'm going to make a list. I'm going to make a plan. I'm going to sleep a little less and work a little more. But that's not God's way. God's way calls us to trust in Jesus and to say, you know what? If I am sick today, if I have worked uh, my fill, if I have worked all that God has called me to work, I will trust that he is going to take care of the rest. Yes, I can take a day off. I can rest when he calls me to rest because he is the one doing the work. So we trust Jesus over our strength. And then we trust Jesus over our own understanding. This is closely related, but we see it more clearly in the, the, the questioning of the high priest and, and his associates. The high priest is questioning Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. Just like, what? Why is this public? This is no secret. And what do they do here? They slap him. You know, if you, if you don't like what, the way the answer's going, let's just, let's just punch. Let's just hit. Um, we know something about that with, uh, with children. Use your words, right? Not your fists. Um, but, but this is what we do. When we don't like what's happening, when we don't understand, when we're relying on our own understanding, we can often lash out in that own understanding and reject the very work of God. This is what the high priest and his people, they should have they should have embraced Jesus. They should have embraced him as the fulfillment of all of God's promises. They should have embraced him as bringing the kingdom of God to earth. He was speaking in line with all that the prophets had said. He was coming with miracles, with grace, with truth, and yet they clung to their own understanding. But their own understanding was so warped by their own desire for power. That's what John tells us over and over again, is it wasn't just that 
they had a different understanding of what the Messiah would be, and Jesus came looking different. I mean, he was a little different than what they expected. But that they wanted the praise of the people. They wanted their own position of power. And we have to realize when we're thinking about things, especially for those of us who have who are smart, and we know we're smart, and we're like, yeah, I can figure things out. I can read about this. I can do my research. I can understand all these things. That our minds are greatly affected by sin. And our minds are greatly affected by our own desires. And we cannot trust that our own understanding is always going to be right. The Pharisees got it wrong. The chief priests got it wrong. We, we are being warned here. Don't be like them. Don't lean on your own understanding. There's a proverb about, proverb about that. Trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. Because it's true. And so what can we do practically to lean not on our own understanding? One is to seek the Lord in prayer. Over and over to say, Lord, help me to know what is right, to know what is true. It is hard to sit honestly and openly before the Lord and continue to persist in very wrong thinking in very selfish thinking, if we are opening ourselves up to him. And the other thing is to listen to others, to listen to the community of the church throughout the ages. So I love being part of a denomination, being part of a history of churches. It's not just me and what I think. It's not even just me and reading this book and what I think about this book. We read this book together, together here on Sunday mornings, together in small groups, together with the church throughout all of history, paying attention to how people have understood this. And when we think, my, uh, my pastor in Atlanta had a great line when I was first learning to preach. He said, don't worry about saying anything too new. Most new ideas are heresy. It's true. We don't say, we, we may be a new church here, but we're a new church saying old things because we can trust the old things more than our new ideas. We trust in Jesus over our own understanding with the help of His Spirit coming to us in prayer, listening to the community of others. And finally, we trust Jesus even over our own courage. This is Peter when he goes to deny Him again. Because Peter, first he goes with the sword, but he's still... cut. Okay, I'll put away the sword, but I'm still coming with you, Jesus. I'm going to die with you. I'm never going to give up until it comes right down to it. You were with Him, weren't you? No, 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 no let's, not, let's not do that. Not going to say that. Three times... Peter has the chance to stand up in courage and say, yeah, I'm with him. What are you going to do about it? Just like Jesus is saying, Jesus got him. But he doesn't do it. Even Peter's courage fails. His strength to do battle, his courage just to hang on. And this is the good news for us this morning. The good news is that we do not trust in our own courage. We do not trust in our own ability to get things right. Because who is still here? Jesus is still here. What is Jesus doing right now? What is this cup that he has been given by the Father? It is the cup to take on all of our failures, all of our sins, all of our betrayals. So this morning, if you are sitting here and thinking, I do not measure up. I have not been faithful to Jesus. I have not been bold when boldness was called, called for. I have walked away from hard things. I have failed to love. I have failed to serve. I have looked out for myself. I have said angry things. I have said hurtful things. I have been unforgiving. I have harbored bitterness in my heart. Your courage has failed. But your Savior is still standing. Jesus stands this morning. 
he stands and he goes to his cross. Not because of the work of evil men, but because he goes there in the plan of his father. So that he can take on all of our sins and failures into himself. And he can stand where we cannot. See, the plank contest is really not the right analogy. It's not that Jesus is just a little bit better than us. That he can hang on more than we can. And if we could just work out more, we could hang on just like Jesus. Jesus is coming from a totally different place. He's not even in the same contest. We're not even on the same playing field here. It's totally different. For Jesus came to do what we could never do. With no amount of training, no amount of study, no amount of effort. Only Jesus. So this morning, put your faith and trust in Jesus. Turn to him. Say, Jesus, I need you more than any other. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you love us and you care for us. We thank you for Jesus, that he stands up when all others fall down. Would you help us to trust in him this morning? Give you all thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from Resurrection Community Church. To learn more about our church and how you can connect with God and others, please visit resurrectionvb.org.